Okay, so as we continue on our theme here with uh, uh, finding topics which is related to what's uh, happening in the, the world, uh, now that we finished uh, the topic that took us a couple of weeks, Baruch Hashem, of, uh, of Kaddish, so somebody asked, and this is something which is a shayla, which is not only relevant in terms of what's happening in Israel, but this is something which is relevant really in shuls around the country. Uh, you'll report to us, Ellen, afterwards next week whether or not uh, you uh, saw it and whether or not the, or uh, you were aware of it. But lots of people are getting their gun licenses and are carrying guns. And they're doing so not only during the six days of the week, they're doing so on Shabbos as well. So, Baruch Hashem, nobody asked me the Shiloh, but it is a potential Shiloh about whether or not the allowance to go ahead and do so. Um, we're not even going to touch upon tonight the issue of caring. I'm assuming that in most uh, cities, uh, nowadays, most large cities at least, so there is an Eruv, and therefore people who want to carry are going to be allowed to carry. So it's not going to be an issue of carrying. You never know if you're actually a soldier in Gaza, whether or not uh, there's a Kasher Eruv. I don't know who the Rav Machshir would be. But for that, uh, for them, it's Pikuach Nefesh anyways. So it's not going to be something which is going to be so uh, so relevant. But for the rest of us here, so we have the question about whether or not um, there's going to be an issue of Muktza in the event that somebody is packing heat, as, as we say, when the, uh, and what's going to be the story with doing so on Shabbos. So it really ultimately comes down to one particular, well, we're going to divide it really into two particular topics, but there's some interesting perspective in terms of how to go ahead and analyze the principles of muksa and the application specifically to guns. Uh, weapons, as you know, as, and we're going to see in the first source, is not something which is modern, Weapons have existed as long as mankind has, a, uh, has, a, has a existed, going all the way back to Cain and Hevel. So obviously there was a weapon which was used to commit the very first uh, murder. But the question is, what's going to be the application nowadays to guns, which people have? Is that going to change or not? Okay, so with all of that introduction, so we will begin with our sources. So the first issue, which should be uh, appearing on your screen now. Yep. So that one, this one has to do with the, the topic of, or begins really, with the issue of whether or not it's, uh, um, this happens to be related to caring on Shabbos. Uh, but it, it, it brings us to an interesting discussion about weapons in general. So here, this is from the Gemara and Shabbos. It's, uh, we begin, the first two sources, one is the Gemara, and then one is the Mishnah, and then one is the Gemara. But the Mishnah and Shabbos, Masech Shabbos, some of Gimel Aleph says, Lo yetze adam, lo uh, So a person is not allowed to walk outside. Here we're referring specifically to an area without an Eruv. So you're not allowed to go on Shabbos in an area without an Eruv neither with a saif, which we would translate as a sword, lobakashes or a bow, like a bow and arrow, velobitris, nor with a shield, vloba is going to be some sort of club with I think that has nails coming out of it. Pretty dangerous type of a weapon when you swing. Vloba Romach or a spear. So basically the Misha says that you're not allowed to go out carrying any sort of weapon on Shabbos. That's considered to be carrying. 
And in the event that one carries a weapon outside on Shabbos, in violation of the restrictions of Shabbos, so this would be an Isr Daraisa, and if it was done inadvertently, somebody does not know the halacha, so the uh, they are going to have to they're going to be responsible to bring a korban chatas. Korban chatas is the standard punishment for somebody who inadvertently does malacha on Shabbos. Now the interesting opinion is Rabbi Lezer Omer Tachshitin Hainlo. Rabbi Lezer says, "What do you mean? Why are you considering to be weapons uh, to be something which is carrying a burden of sorts?" Rabbi Lezer says. Weapons are a uh, are a tachshit. Tachshit we translate usually as jewelry, but it's an adornment for the person. So that this would be nowadays like wearing bling or something like that. So you're wearing all of this stuff, and it shows your manhood. It shows your uh, uh, your your power, your strength, or something like that. But it's the same way, just like uh, rabbis will wear a tie outside on Shabbos, even though it serves no function whatsoever, but it's worn in order to show something. Don't know what exists, but if you figure that out, you'll let me know. But just like you're allowed to wear a tie on Shabbos, even though it's not really a functional garment. So Belezer says, in the same way, walking around with a spear or a sword or a shield or anything, or a club or anything like that. So all of that is considered to be something which is meant to make you look good. And being that it's something which is meant to make you look good, it's actually not caring. You are allowed to wear it on Shabbos. Same way you could wear a ring, you could wear a necklace, you could wear earrings, all of that as a, something which is to make you look better. So Belezer says the same thing is true with regards to weapons. But then the Chacham say, no. He says, this is not something which makes you look good. This is something which makes you look bad. Genai is something which is disparaging something which is negative. And the Chacham is saying to Rebelezer, absolutely not do we consider weapons to be something which is positive. We consider walking around with weapons to be something which is negative. And therefore, that would mean that, like the first opinion in the Mishnah is, that we don't consider it to be a tachshit. It's not considered to be an adornment. And therefore, carrying it outside on Shabbos is absolutely awesome. Okay. Now, what does the Gemara tell us about this? So Gemara now relates. Belezer Omer Tachshitin Henlo. So Belezer said in the Mishnah that he considers weapons to be an adornment. Tanya the Brisa relates. Amrlo the Rebelezer. So as a, as you know, as experienced Shas people, so you know that oftentimes the Mishnah is going to contain a very condensed or concise version of the conversation, and the Gemara will then quote a Brisa which has a more elaborate uh, version of that conversation. So here the Chacham is saying to Rabbi Lezer, I don't understand your position, Rabbi Lezer. In the event, as you maintain, that walking around with a sword or a spear or a shield is something which is like jewelry for a man. It's man jewelry. That's what you'd find the man jewelry in the man cave. So being that it's jewelry for a man, so why is it that in the time of Mashiach, we're not going to have that man jewelry anymore? If it's takis, there's no, nobody thinks that women aren't going to wear jewelry in the time of Mashiach. There may be some men who are davening that that would be the case, but it's not really, uh, it's not really true. But uh, why would, uh, why, if, uh, if uh, uh, weapons are really something which is jewelry for a man, so why would it not exist in the future? Well, we know that the famous pasuk about turning uh, swords into plowshares. So why would we have to do that if it's indeed a, uh, a, a an adornment, a piece of jewelry? 
So he says, no, it has nothing to do with the fact that it's not an adornment. The reason why is because at that time, it's not going to be necessary. So there's necessary jewelry and there's unnecessary jewelry. So Belezer says it's certainly jewelry because it makes a statement about who you are and your power nowadays. So that's why nowadays it's considered to be jewelry. In the time of Mashiach, though, it's not going to be an unnecessary piece of jewelry. Shenemar, as it says, that in the time of Mashiach, so nation will not raise up a sword against another nation, and therefore you're not going to go ahead and uh, uh, you're not going to need it. So where it says, fine, granted, you're not going to need it to use it as a weapon, but but if it's taka, a piece of jewelry, so why can't we consider it to be a piece of jewelry even at that time and let people walk around with swords and shields in the uh, in, in spears? So Amr Abayi, so Abayi says it wouldn't make any sense to do that. Because in that regard, it would be no different than somebody walking around with a, well, modernize Abayi's comment, it would be no different than a person walking around with a flashlight during the daytime. So what's a flashlight going to do for you during the daytime? Absolutely nothing, because there's plenty of light from the sun anyways, so it becomes useless during the uh, during the daytime. So in the same way, swords and spears and shields and whatnot, in the future, the reason why nobody's going to carry them around is because they're absolutely unnecessary because nobody's going to be fighting and there's no reason to intimidate or to show your strength in that uh, that way. So therefore, it could be uh, it's going to be ignored. Uh, it's, it's going to be unnecessary. Okay, so that's the, the, the a, a general discussion about whether or not our, our attitude towards walking around with, uh, with uh, weapons or not. But now we get to the main part of the uh, the the main part of the shear, which is the uh, whether or not a gun is going to be muktzah or not. So now, obviously, a gun is meant to shoot, as we'll see. Uh, actually, I shouldn't even take that as given. Um, when a gun is shot, so it definitely involves a malacha, because there's a spark and there's something which burns. There's gunpowder which burns. So certainly, uh, the shooting of a gun would involve an iser de oraisa. So in the event that involves an Isidaraisa, so we would expect that at the very least we should categorize a gun as Klishamalachto Laiser. if you remember way back when from our Muktza days. So Klishamalachto Laiser, we're going to define it very generally now, because we're going to see that it's actually subject somewhat to a debate regarding the precise definition of it. But it translates as a utensil, kli, shemalachto leiser, which is used for something usher on Shabbos. So, a kli shemalachto leiser. So, this is a category of muktza, where, and this is going to be important also, where you're not allowed to move it for no reason whatsoever. You're not allowed to move it in order to save the kli shemalachto leiser from getting ruined. That's what Chazal characterizes mechamalitzel, taking it out of the sun and moving it into the shade, or taking it out of the rain and moving it to a dry place. So to move klishemalachtolisa for that purpose, you're not allowed to. But klishemalachtolisa is a unique category of muksa in the sense that you are allowed to move it gufo umakomo. If you need to use the klishemalachtolisa for a permitted purpose, you're allowed to. Classic case over there is a hammer 
Hammer is usually used in construction, but in the event that you can't find your nutcracker and the only uh, utensil that you have is a hammer, so you can take a hammer and smash your walnuts, or that's our gufo, or let's makomo. In the event that you will go ahead and you want to sit down on the uh, at the at the Shabbos table, and you look down and somebody, the last person to use the hammer to put up uh, pictures in the uh, in the house, left the hammer on your seat. So since you need to sit down on your chair and the hammer is there, so you are allowed to move that hammer in order to access the place. That's what we call the tzarich makomo. So we have to figure out which category we're going to put the gun into to figure out whether or not it is indeed a klishamachto iser, something which is used primarily for something aser. Is it possibly klishamachto leheter? We'll see the rationale for that. And whether or not uh, moving it, carrying it around for safety purposes, is that going to be enough of a reason to permit carrying it? Okay, so... Uh, our first source, we're not going to go through all of the Gemaras because there are numerous Gemaras having to do with the uh, definitions of Muqtza and whatnot, but we will jump to uh, trying to define what exactly are the um, uh, defining characteristics of a Klisha Malachto Le'iser. So we'll begin with the Shulchan Harav. That's what you have over here, source three. This is in Simon Shinches, Seed Base. Shulchan Harav writes, Kol Dover Shiyesh Torah's kli alav, anything which is going to be categorized as a utensil, meaning that it has a function, it has a regular function, not like a twig or a stone, but something which is a kli that people use. So you're allowed to go ahead and you're allowed to move it on Shabbos when you, uh, you're allowed to move it on Shabbos, as we explained. And then the Shulchan Archarav says that even a kli, which is which is malachto leiser, whose function is something which is aser, dahainu, and then he says, let me define this for you, dahainu, which is shakli hu miyuchad lishtamish botashmish aser b'shabes, that it is designated. I won't say designated. It was designed for the purpose of doing something which is aser on Shabbos. So it has nothing to do with how frequently or not it's going to be used for that prohibited purpose. It has nothing to do with whether you can find a permitted usage for that kli on Shabbos. But anytime the kli is primarily used, for it was, it was, uh, was de- um, designed to do something which is asr on Shabbos, that is going to be a kli shemalachto le'iser. Kigon, for example, kordom shemavakim bo'etzim, an axe which is used to chop wood. So if you really want it, if you were really desperate, could you go ahead and use that to cut a piece of steak? Yes, you could use a, an axe to cut a piece of steak. It's a little overkill, but you could go ahead and use a, an axe for that purpose. But that's not what the axe was designed for. An axe is designed for chopping wood. Oh, cornus shall nafachim. Or if you have, let's say, a, a hammer, which is used by a blacksmith. So although you may be able to use that hammer to open a... Uh, a, a walnut or an almond or something like that. But nonetheless, it's primarily used to go ahead and manufacture metal uh, metal products, which is Asra and Shabbos. Or shall Zahavim, or if you have one which is used by a jeweler, a uh, somebody who works with gold, so the design of these utensils is something which is Asr, and therefore it falls into the category of just based on the single criteria, according to Shulchan Acharav, is what is its designed purpose? So these things 
are not going to be completely asa, that you're not allowed to move it at all. But these things are going to be movable, like things which generally fall into the category of because these are things which can be used in some permitted fashion. So as long as it can be used in some permitted fashion, if something has no permitted use whatsoever, so then that's going to be one thing. But as long as you could come up with a permitted use for it, so uh, uh, it's movable. As we said, the Torah, Gufa Umakomo, but it falls into that category simply because it was designed for something which is also to do on shops. That is the single criteria as presented by the Shochan Archarat. Okay, give out. Now, the Bir Halacha, however, as we're going to see, he is going to uh, alter the definition a little bit. And he says as follows. He says, Veda. He says, you should know. He says, it's, uh, I'm quoting from, or I'm referencing the Primagadim, and I copied this in the Mishabura. The Klisha Rov Malachtol Iser, who Gamke Mechlav Klisha Malachtol Iser. So now the primogadim has a slightly nuanced, different definition of klisha malachtol iser, and he does not focus attention on what the design of the kli is, whether it was designed for something aser or not. He wants to know what is its most frequent usage. Is it most frequently used for something which is aser, or it's most frequently used for something which is permitted? And we're going to see why this is going to make a difference. The heavy. And he brings a proof. Okay, whatever his proof is, that's so important. Now the Mishnah himself, or the Bir Halacha, which is the Mishnah but the Bir Halacha comes along and he says, now that we've seen these different opinions, he says, in my opinion, he says that we really need two definitions. There's two criteria in order to be a Klisha Malachtol Iser. And that is, number one, it was designed, similar to what we saw in the Shulchan Acharav, that it was designed to do something Asr on Shabbos. That was the manufacturer's intent, is to do something Asr on Shabbos. And also, that most times it's going to be used for that prohibited purpose on Shabbos. And only occasionally will you go ahead and use the hammer for something which is permitted like... Um, opening up a walnut or an almond. Well, in Yenze, Yesh Raimakidera, sorry, we don't have to go through his proof. So that the uh, that the Bihar Lacha says is going to be the more precise definition of Klishim Lachnolisser, where it has two components to it. Number one is what was its design? Was it designed for something Asr or was designed for something Mutter? And then number two, practically, what is its most frequent usage? Is its most frequent usage for something which is Asr or is its most frequent usage for something which is permitted? And says the Mishaburah, now in the event that it's used for both, it's used equally for something which is mutter and something which is aser. And certainly when, practically, if it's used more often, although one element of its use is something that is aser, but it's used for something which is a permitted usage, again, we have to emphasize this because the, the principle is going to come up soon. No, I shouldn't say, the application is going to come up soon. 
but sometimes you use it for an us an iser purpose more. Minolan the the that in the event it has similar types of usage, permitted and prohibited, irrelevant of what it was designed for, but as long as it's used very frequently for some for a permitted purpose. So if it's used frequently for a permitted purpose, so then who is to say, says the Mishabura, that it's necessarily going to be muksa? Maybe it's only going to be muksa if it has both characteristics. It was designed for something yisr, and it's predominantly used for something which is aser. But even if, it, but if it was designed for something aser, but it's used just as frequently for something which is permitted, so that may very well be something which is non-muksa, because since it's frequently used for a permitted purpose, the whole point of muksa. Let me take you back a step. The whole point of muksa is this idea. There it is that when you have a, an item which you can't use on Shabbos because it's Aser, your Maksamidaito, you sort of push it out of your mind from moving it and from having anything to do with it whatsoever. So that would be true in the event that we're talking about something which is most predominantly used for something which is Aser. So you never plan on using your electric drill on Shabbos. It's just not something that you plan on doing because what are you going to do with it on Shabbos? It's electric drill. But if you have something which is used both for something which is usr as well as something which is permitted, so then although it may have been designed for something which is usr, but since it's frequently used for something which is permitted as well, that ver- that may not be muktzah because why should I push it out of my mind and think that I'm not going to use it altogether when it may very well be that I will use it on Shabbos. And therefore the Mishaburah says it's not necessarily going to be muktzah, and in fact, in the uh, this work from uh, Rabbi Bader, considered a, a, one of the authoritative, certainly English books on the halachas of Moksa. So he, in his definition of klishim uh, so he says very clearly, he says the halacha of the utensil is determined by examining its primary function. Primary function—that's what we're saying—is the design. So what was it designed to do? And the majority of its usage. And criteria number two is, is it most often used for something which is aser, or is it most often used for something which is mutter? And if it is permitted or prohibited usage, whether or not those usage which you're going to use it, is it something which is allowed on Shabbos, or is it not? Okay? So this is the definition, this would be the uh, Lemaisa definition that we have for Klishim Lachtol Hisser, that it meets both criteria, both uh, what its original design was, as well as what is its most predominant use, its most frequent use. Okay, so now we move on to, let's figure out where we're going to place a gun. What exactly is the status of a, of a gun? So the first thing you have over here is Hilchot Tzava. Hilchot Tzava, actually uh, knew the knew the uh, the author of this uh, this sefer. He was, when I was in Shalavim, so he was the, uh, the Rosh Kolo. And he wrote a sefer of a, 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 a compilation of halachas related to armies and related to soldiers. And obviously a lot of it dealt with uh, Shabbos and whatnot. So he writes, he, as an example, Klish So what are some examples of a Klish Kagon, Neshek. So he says Neshek is one of the Hebrew words that you have for a gun. Ukli Nikuyov. I think that's going to be the... Uh, uh, Cleansing agents, it may very well be the stuff that you use to clean the gun. 
patish, a hammer, gafror, matches, misparaim, scissors. So these are all examples of something which is a, uh, a, a cliche that uh, this uh, Rabbi Ben Shlomo says is a cliche maktolisser. And he clearly states that meshek, that a gun is one of those things. What's the, the uh, now what's the definition? So he says hagdarat muksa. So in terms of the categories of muksa, so the first one he presents, and the only one that we're going to see is klishim lachto leiser. So what is a what is in his opinion the definition of klishim lachto leiser? So because we're going to see now, he has a different opinion than Rav Badner. He says klisherov shimusho leiser. So he says that any time. Most times that you use it is going to be for something which is aser. And only occasionally will you use it for something which is permitted. So he goes like the Shulchan He does, sorry, he doesn't even go like the Shulchan Acharav. He, he formulates his own opinion that it's not determined by design and it's not determined by design plus frequency of use. He goes out and categorizes Klisha Malachto Lisser. He says the, defin- the category is going to be defined by frequency of use. If something is used most often for uh, something Asr on Shabbos, it's a Klisha Malachto Lisser. In the event that it's used for something which is not uh, uh, Asr on Shabbos, if it's most often used for something which is not Asr on Shabbos, it's not a Klisha Malachto Lisser. But he definitely is looking at a gun which you have to shoot, which create, which which involves fire. So he's definitely looking at that as a as a, a utensil which is used for something which is aser, and therefore, unless you're using it in sort of gufo makomo, unless you're using it for some permitted purpose or for a uh, for the place where it's resting, so then it would be categorized as muktzah. Now that is the opinion, as I said, of this sefer, which is hilchot sava from that sefer. Now of Shomo Zalman Ayabach. So he weighed in, and he had a different perspective on this. And it's a, it's very interesting, uh, I found it to be very interesting, the perspective which he adopts over here as to uh, whether or not it's going to be categorized as muqtah. And Shomo Zalman does not approach it from the question of defining klisha malachto lesser as to whether or not it has to be its design, its frequency of use, or a combination of the two. But he says... That forget about all of that. He says, mm-hmm. So he comes with a completely different perspective. He says the primary function of a gun has nothing to do with shooting the gun. That's not why you carry a gun. He says the reason why you carry a gun, in, in Rav Shomazaman's terminology, the word rova or ektach, these two middle words. So these are the words which mean gun. So he says the purpose is to intimidate. You pull out a gun to scare somebody into doing something without actually having to shoot it. Most police officers, when they pull their gun, they are not shooting. Hopefully they're not shooting. They're scaring a person into submission, but it's actually not used to fire the gun. So Shomo Zaman says from that perspective, so therefore, Shaper Chashiv Tzorach Gufo. He says using a gun to intimidate is, even if we're going to go ahead and we're going to categorize a gun as a klisha malachto le'iser, and therefore you would say that 
uh, carrying around the gun. So you're not allowed to do because its primary purpose is to shoot. We thought that the primary purpose of a gun is to shoot the gun, which you're not allowed to do on Shabbos. And therefore, you wouldn't be allowed to carry around the gun in order to be able to uh, to shoot. Says Hoshem Zama, no. The reason why you're going to move around the gun, you're going to carry around the gun, is not to shoot it. You hope to never have to shoot it. The reason why you have the gun is to make sure that people know that you have the gun and you're not afraid to shoot it. And therefore, since it's done for intimidation rather than to actually shoot it, so therefore, Rosh Hashanah says, I consider a gun on Shabbos to be, although it's a Kalisha Malachto Le'iser, I think you're allowed to carry it around because carrying it around is a permitted usage of that. That's what we categorize as Sorech Gufo. And therefore, you'd be allowed to go ahead and carry a, uh, a gun. And then he points out, Mishtaber, now this is obviously logical, this question or this analysis that its primary function is to intimidate rather than to, to actually shoot. And that's why you're allowed to carry around the gun. Then Rav Shomo Zaman adds, that it makes sense that when you're not engaged in active war, so then, so then most times that you pull the gun is going to be to intimidate or to force compliance out of uh, uh, out of somebody, not to go ahead and actually shoot the gun. When you're in the middle of the war, that's obviously a completely different uh, uh, question, and it's a completely di- different set of considerations, because then it's mamish pikoach nefesh, and all of muksa would obviously is going to be suspended when it comes to pikoach nefesh. But on a regular Shabbos, where there's not an active war, whether Rav Shomo Zaman says it's going to be permitted to carry a gun, to move around a gun, because although he agrees that a gun is klishim lakto le'iser, although he puts it into the category of a utensil whose design was uh, was uh, for something which is aser, but nonetheless, being that, uh, carrying it around to intimidate somebody is a permitted usage of the gun. It's considered to be Lutzora Gufo, so that uh, allows the carrying of the uh, of the gun. Okay, now we come to a new perspective, one which is different from everybody else, which when you find out who the author is, so it's not so surprising because he really was a creative genius in his uh, in his own right. But source eight, which is uh, the name of the Savior, is Meshiv Milchama. So this was written by Rav Shomo Goren. Shomo Goren, before he was one of the chief rabbis of, of Israel, so he was the chief rabbi of the army. So obviously he had a lot of experience with halacha questions related to uh, to army-related uh, uh, issues. And he has, um, I don't know what it was, uh, when I originally saw it, it seemed to be that it was may have been fewer volumes but the way it's printed nowadays, there's four volumes of uh, of, uh, of material that he has on topics related to um, uh, soldiers in war in uh, in Israel for Jewish soldiers. So he goes ahead and says the following. Uh, again, as I said, it's a brilliant creative analysis of what's going on. He says, no sevakach. He says, in addition to everything else, after doing a uh, thorough analysis of the definition and the principles of Klisha Malachto Leser, he says, Rav Goran writes, He says, we really have to explore and tear apart, we have to like uh, um, um, analyze, why is it that we all take it for granted that a rova, he uses the term rova also for a gun, I think that's an older term, 
uh, that they used to use for a gun. But why is it that they consider we all can take it for granted that a gun is going to be usher to move mitam muksa machmas iser? That we treat a gun as a klisha malachtol iser. That's that that that's the starting point for almost all of the poskim that it is a klisha malachtol iser. And are you going to be allowed to move it? Is it considered to be tzara gufa or not? Ki hareha rova hino he says, because from my perspective, the purpose of a gun is it is a weapon for security. That's what it's designed to do. And guns are not designed to do something which is not security related. The only reason anybody carries around a gun, other than for sport or something like that, but most people who are walking around, if you're a concealed carry, you're doing so not because you enjoy hunting, because concealed carry, you're not going to do much hunting in your concealed carry, but really what its purpose is, it's for security. So being that the primary function of a gun is to provide security, it ups your security because it intimidates a potential attacker that I bet I don't want to go ahead and approach this place because that guy over there has a gun and he probably knows how to use it. And when you need to use the gun for security measures, you're certainly allowed to use the gun under those conditions. Because if somebody's attacking you, or if somebody himself has a, a, a weapon, so it becomes now a matter of pikuach nefesh. And what do you do when there's a pikuach nefesh situation and you've got a gun? You use it for the sake of pikuach nefesh. So therefore, lachein mimanavshach. He says, therefore, I don't even think that a gun should be put into the category of klisha malachto le'iser. I consider the even the use of a gun, even the shooting of the gun, to be a klisha malachto le'heter. Because when you use it, its primary use is to use it for security, for safety, for protection. And when you need to use it, then it's because pikuach nefesh and that override Shabbos. So he says, He says, In the event that there's an attack from an enemy, that's hatkafa, or there's a genuine concern that there's going to be an attack, the chayavin lahagin aleinu, and we need to go ahead and we need to protect ourselves. Oh, al ruchosh, or we need to protect some property. Oh, shetach bifnei ha'oyev, or we need to protect some sort of land from the enemy. But anytime an enemy is going to be attacking, whether they want to take our stuff, whether they want to kill somebody, or whether they want to take our land. So obviously, when we need to go ahead and protect all of that, so the purpose of the gun at that time is warranted, is mandated, and it's a mitzvah to use that. Habal somebody's coming to kill you. Hashkem lahargo, so Chazal say that you should beat him to the punch. The best defense is a good offense. Shoot him first. Don't wait till he shoots you. So in that case, where you're doing it in self-defense, it's a mitzvah to do so, and that is the purpose of the gun, is to use it for safety, to protect yourself. And therefore, vahareha roben naseh, Liros bow, the purpose of the gun, the design of the gun, is to shoot the enemy. And that you're allowed to do because he's going to kill you. So it's a mitzvah to use the gun under that case. Kasher mitzvah, Liros bow, Under those conditions, it's a mitzvah to use the gun, regardless of whether it's a weekday or whether it's a Shabbos. When it comes to Pikuach Nefesh, as you all know, 
there's no stringencies which apply on Shabbos. You treat the Pikuach Nefesh situation on Shabbos the same as you would on a Tuesday or a Thursday. Kagon b'mikrim shel hagana otkafa, where you need it for defensive purposes, or you need it in the in the in the in the context of an attack. So, in any one of those circumstances, you're certainly not only allowed to use the gun, but it's a mitzvah to use that gun. And in fact, they know also lirozbo shalom should say l'tzorch bitachon, and it's not designed at all for a person to go ahead and use it when it is not for the purpose of of security. So what was it designed for, Sir Gorin? It was designed for permitted uses on Shabbos. Because the only time you're going to use the gun is for security, for safety, to, to save yourself in defense. And all of that are permitted activities on Shabbos. Those are mitzvah activities on Shabbos. And therefore, says Rav Gorin, this is what the, the way we, the creative genius part of this, he says, Lama Yachshov Why is everybody looking at this as a Klisha Malachto Leser? It's a Klisha Malachto Leheter. Because the only time you use it is when the Torah instructs you to go ahead and use it because you're in a, a, a dangerous situation where you need to protect yourself, you need to protect your stuff, you need to protect some land, some property. And under all of those conditions, it's a mitzvah to use the weapon. And therefore, if Garin says that I consider this to be a klish lachto leheter, and there are no restrictions against carrying it whatsoever outside of perhaps an Eruv. But even then, when you need to, because it's dangerous, you certainly be allowed to go ahead and do so. But Rav Gorin comes along and he says, I reject the entire premise that this is a klisha malachto le'iser because its use is really for something which is permitted. Which again, it, it seems very logical when you hear it. All the other postgame obviously did not subscribe to this view. It's not clear why not, but it resonates a lot that its purpose is to do something which is permitted. And therefore, it should be, uh, it should be okay. Then, one last source we have over here. This is from the Kloisenberger Rebbe, the Chuvas Divre Yatsif. He also weighs in on this. I'm not sure exactly what was going on at the time that he was writing this uh, this Chuva, what dangerous circumstances existed back in the 70s or 80s or something like that when he was uh, when he was right when he wrote this about people wanting to uh, to carry guns. But he says. And he begins with not disagreeing directly. I don't know if he saw necessarily what Rav Goran wrote, but he begins with the other premise. And he says, muksa. So when it comes to guns and the Shaila of Muktza, Hakli Yuriya, meaning a gun, He says, I would consider this a Klishimalakto Lizer because its design is to fire off something, and firing off something is definitely Asar on Shabbos. So he says, I consider it to be and even if for some reason you were to argue that usage of a gun is only an Isidrabanan rather than Isa even that is still going to be Muksa. It's enough. Whatever activity is Asr to do on Shabbos, whether Daraisa or Drabanan, is enough to put something into the category of Muksa. And therefore he says, skipping a line, he says, therefore, once I put it into the category of Klishimachto Isr, so therefore, if I need to move it for itself, for some permitted use with the gun, or I need to use it because the gun is resting on a place which I need to utilize, so that it's permitted to go ahead and move the gun. Now, 
The only restriction by Klishim Lachtulisser, as we said, sort of in the introduction, is when you want to move it from the sun to the shade, meaning that you want to move it so that it shouldn't get stolen or it shouldn't get bro- it shouldn't break. That you're not allowed to do. Kamavu or Shama Vasiv Gimel, like we say over there. But let's say you are in a place where the government mandates you live on a moshav somewhere, or you're in the army, and the army tells you you're in the uh, you're in Sahal, and, and when you're on active duty, you notice that soldiers keep their guns on them all the time; they don't take it off for uh, for anything. So when the government mandates that you keep the gun on you at all times, and if you, as an active duty soldier, were caught by somebody without your weapon on you, so that is a punishable offense. I don't know what exactly the punishment is, but it's probably not something which is very pleasant. So, So here the Kloisenberger says that once you're mandated by law to carry this weapon, carry around this gun, and if you don't carry around the gun, you are going to be punished for not doing so. So carrying it around is now considered to be tsaragufa. I need the thing itself. I need to keep it on me because otherwise I'm going to be punished. And that is a permitted usage of the Kalisha Malachto And therefore the Kloisenberger says that if you are that type of person where it's mandated that you carry around the gun, then certainly he's going to allow you to carry around that gun. What about the person who is not mandated, just as concerned for security purposes, and has a concealed carry license, and would like to go ahead and carry around the gun on Shabbos, but there's no law mandating that. Then, says the Kloisenberger, so at first glance, it would seem that such a thing is going to be usher. But then he says, sorry. Then he says, so the Kloisenberger adopts a position similar to Rav Shomel Zaman. He says, nowadays, most people who are carrying around guns. It's not to shoot the gun. It's to intimidate. It's to instill fear in those who would potentially do harm when they go ahead and they see a gun. So that becomes the end of the, uh, the, the, end of the, uh, the story. If you remember, I don't remember which one of them it was, but in one of the Raiders of the Lost Ark, so you, when he was, uh, you know, one of the Arab countries and some guy approached him swinging around a sword in all sorts of fancy ways. And after that, he just takes out his gun and shoots the guy dead. So that type of thing is. So uh, in most cases, he didn't have to do that. But most cases, you pull out a gun and that's enough to scare off a guy, certainly with a sword, because what's he going to do with a sword if you have a gun? So the Kloisenberger says in most instances, the purpose of the gun is just to scare off would-be attackers. Vadaraba. And in many instances, also lifobahem, that you're not allowed to actually use them if you wanted to go ahead and shoot somebody's tire or shoot somebody's car or something like that. I don't know what the laws of concealed carry are, but I imagine you're not allowed to just shoot it off just because it would be funny to go ahead and do so to scare somebody. So in those cases where the purpose is to intimidate, then So then the Kloisenberger says that now is very significant halachically. Because once we go ahead and we put it into the category, once we say that the most common usage of a gun is to intimidate, so now at the very least, the function of the gun is something which is permitted and prohibited, permitted to intimidate, prohibited to actually shoot the gun. 
And as we saw in the, in the we saw it in the Bir Halacha, he quotes it from the Magen of Ram. He says, Magen of Ram, that when something is used for both permitted and prohibited use, so we are lenient with that, and we are going to tilt the scale towards the side of Klishim Lachto Leheter, and therefore it's not going to be Moksa. So says the Kloisenberg that nowadays, forget about the, those places where the law may be, like for a soldier in Israel, that while on active duty, you have to keep the gun on you at all times. But even in the States, since most times a gun is going to be carried for intimidation purposes, not to actually shoot. So that puts it into at least something which is used for something usher, but also just as frequently used for something which is permitted, and that would prevent it from falling into the muksa category, and therefore carrying around the gun is something which is ultimately not for a variety of reasons, but it's not going to be categorized as something which is muksa, and therefore prohibiting people from carrying on shops. All right? So I think at some point we should have a kiddush in honor of all those who are <laughs> concealed carry. And we could have all sorts of fun, uh, I don't know what the special foods we would have for that. Unshaped cake, uh, uh, bullet uh, brownies. I, we could think of lots of things. Yeah, we could get the, we could, we'll get the creative people uh, on it. And right. uh, yeah. Holster so, herring. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So that is uh, as far as that uh, shear is uh, it, this year is uh, is concerned. It's good shear. Thank you very much.